Recorded during the Plague Year 2020, this is the Andromeda Minute, a show where Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays we go over one minute of Robert Wise's all-too-timely 1971 techno-thriller, The Andromeda Strain, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of tvdads.com. And I'm Hal Bryan of the world-renowned yet strangely not award-winning Rocketeer Minute. Well, somebody must have given it an award somewhere, I think, I, everybody. Yeah, they, that's they, true. As long as they click their favorite when they're listening to it on their uh, on their device. Yeah, that's that's an award. And the reviews. Uh, yes. The reviews count. And, of course, you know, it was its own reward. Well, yeah. So that's well, clear. That's, I mean, you got to talk to Melora Hart. Wow. <laughs> I, did, uh, and, I did indeed. <laughs> and Billy Campbell. Yes. Who, uh, goodness. Yeah, it, was, it was so hard holding onto the microphone while making that little, you know, the two-handed heart shape where you're, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the challenges of adult nerddom. Ah, uh, wow. So, well, <clears throat> well, it's good to be back. We haven't uh, done one of these in a little while, Jim. But it's, yeah, it well, always feels instantly at home and familiar. And then I realize, gosh, it's been quite a long time. It really is. And we, we gosh, we started that in 2017. I can't get over that. You know, Isn't every once in a while I look at the date and it's like, really? It's been that many years since this started? Yeah. Wow. So, um, but uh, yeah, it's but it's still, you know, still going strong. There's still a lot of movies by minutes being made out there and more to come. So, um, but here we are in the middle of, uh, I would say this is a pretty nerdy film. Uh, Robert, I, would, I would agree, yeah. Robert Wise knew where to hang all the all the science equipment and, and talking about, you know, all kinds of uh, viruses and aliens and guys in spacesuits and girls in spacesuits and guys who don't shave and babies <laughs> who don't shave. I don't, yeah, it's just. Um, babies and, and being it, described as gourmets. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And uh, apparently they get you know gourmet uh, milk delivered in their own little elevator. I uh, I would think that it'll be easier. Wouldn't you just have a cooler there with. <laughs> you would think so, but but uh, I, that is just that's so. Well, forgive the pun. It's it's cooler to not have a cooler. It's cooler yeah. to have a a you know a dumb waiter from the future. Yeah, that, and who knows where that actually starts? I mean, that could be in Topeka, Kansas, where they put oh. the bottle in, and then yeah, this yeah. elaborate series of well, it's a series of tubes, uh, or who yeah, knows what eventually it, lowers it down. I, I was hoping that it's a transporter, but you know, it's. It, uh, I'm just wondering if uh, Mr. Jackson and I mentioned this last week. If, if Mr. Jackson ever wanted like a, you know, a ham sandwich or something, it couldn't be any wider than a baby bottle, right? Exactly. Just, unless maybe they stand it on edge. <laughs> Here's or maybe you get a baby bottle full of ham sandwich puree. Ooh, yeah, astronaut food. Astronaut that be food. It, yeah. <laughs> it is, uh, you know, it was an early replicator, and it's still not great. Yeah. But it, impressive it, uh, nonetheless. No diapers as far as the eye can see on, on either of our two patients. You know, but I, I, it's a very uncomfortable, un, um, un, impractical, I think would be the word. Right. It's a very impractical room. Mostly because I think they only have the the fact that they only have two of these uh, special space suits in the room. It doesn't look like you can. It, it's it's kind of fixed that maximum of of two people can work in that room at any given time. Right, your your big spacesuits with the uh, the world's biggest vacuum cleaner hose coming off the back. Yeah, <laughs> it's, that's that's and, pretty uh, much it. And fish tank like um, or maybe goldfish bowl like uh, uh, head head headgear. Um. It's, uh, yeah, it, it, this, I, I, I wonder, I mean, I guess it's just a function of the set designer, but really it doesn't make sense how the, how they got in there. How, I don't see how, how the two patients arrived. We saw them in an elevator and apparently they were lowered from the ceiling, but the ceiling is a gigantic, uh, lamp. So maybe the <laughs> lamp slides out of the way. 
That um, is really yeah. That's hard to say. They obviously didn't come in through the uh, through the spacesuit tubes. Yeah, and and the, we know where that. Well, we we will find out where that hatch goes to later on in the movie. Oh right. So um, my my theory that I'd come up with last week, and I, I need I need to extrapolate more on this because I haven't thought about it very much. But my theory is this is built like the Carousel of Progress. I think that it's they play this they play a song and the and the whole outside of the the circle shifts and eventually they get around to the the port where the elevator is and somehow you know that that's where they they slide everybody in and out and then they then they they flip it around again and maybe there's Gene Sher uh, Gene Shepherd narration over it while they get to the right room and uh, and then they're you know they're in the right spots now, do you suppose when they do this, are they very ironically playing "There's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow"? Or <laughs> I would hope so. You know, it's, is it, uh, maybe it's in a minor key, just to... <laughs> or it's all sciency with synthesizers. Oh or something yeah, like exactly. Yeah. Sort of a very very young Thomas Dolby is yeah <laughs> has done his version of it here he in 1971. Me, yeah. And and we still have the baby with no railings. This is uh, you know all out there in the open. I guess it's easier to work on them as as long as. The baby doesn't, you know, he's rather swaddled up there. So I right. don't know he's if he can spin too much. Definitely swaddled. But, you know, I mean, you worry as much about uh, about what's his name on the other bed. Yeah. With no railings. He's not uh, He's not exactly, you know, in the the best shape at this point. And yeah. I, I think rolling off. he'd probably have a little plastic, you know, uh, band on him that says uh, fall risk, at least. <laughs> right. You would think so. And but, I, yeah, you definitely just worry the most about the baby. Yeah, it's um, there's no there doesn't seem to be any restroom facilities, so I don't uh, you know again they could be using diapers or something. It just seems very impractical as right. as a hospital thing. Now there is a um, I mean, there's a there's a TV on the wall, but I I I don't I don't think we ever see them in here just you know watching uh, you know match game or something yeah. like that during the day to just. <laughs> Just past the time, whiling away the hours five yes. stories below a, a barley field. Right. Um, yeah, it's and it, I mean apparently the the predominant noise in the background is just fans, like you know computer fans. So it's just oh, very. Sure that would... um, and I guess poor Mister uh, Mister Jackson hasn't had anybody brush his teeth, so he's um, I, yeah it's. Uh, just a very, very, very not. I, I get the feeling from this whole scene is that they weren't expecting human being patients on the fifth level. I think they thought everybody, if they were going to capture somebody, they were going to be dead. And this was kind of an ad hoc room. Yeah, that does make sense. Now, as I'm sort of scrubbing back and forth here, do we ever get a better look? Oh, somewhere about I'm scrubbing too fast. Um, it's right about the 37 second mark. And uh, that uh, she's picked up the baby and is just reaching for the bottle to feed him, and then we can see some equipment against that far wall. Yeah, and yeah, then there's, there's a it... there's a stray hook hanging down there too that looks like. Oh, that that hook is what that, that's what you hang your uh, helmet on. That's what the helmet does as you back out of it. That's right. Yeah, because that's if right. you didn't, if if they pulled out of it, it would fall to the floor. So yeah. they have to. You know, <clears throat> I rewatched the movie right like right before we. Uh, we did our first week of of these episodes, but now all of a sudden it's been, you know, well, I've slept since then, so I can <laughs> I cannot be expected to have any memory of anything whatsoever. Yeah, once the I, cash gets flushed. Yeah, I don't I, I don't know of any other holes in the in the wall. Uh, there's nothing like besides that TV set. There's a solid, pretty much a solid wall behind Doctor Hall. 
Uh, so right. It's just it and it's not quite a square room. It's more of a trapezoidal or a you know a pie slice out of out of their their circle, which would make sense because you know they're all they're all in the smallest part of the uh, uh, of the circle. They're sure. just out just outside the um, the hugely unnecessary uh, central central corridor. I, I don't understand. I mean, that's supposed. I'm assuming that's where the that's where the elevators are. Although there may be elevators that come down in the midsection of that, because behind, I mean, if you if you picture the pie, the center section is that central that central um, uh, shaft that goes right. through all five. Then outside of that is the first pie slice, which is uh, where the monkeys are and where the you know where this particular room is. And then outside of that is another ring, which is the observation deck of all these rooms. So you're looking in at you know you're looking in at patients, or you're looking in at a satellite, or you're looking in at dead monkeys. And then outside of that circle is a corridor which connects. You know you can do your morning jog around there. And then outside of that circle would appear to be uh, the dorm rooms, and um, I'm assuming there's another elevator shaft somewhere on the outside circle that allows access so they can you know they can bring the lemon meringue pies down to the down to the cafeteria when there's not you know when they're when they're not working at at this this breakneck wildfire pace um now wouldn't you think if this was built today there would be another level and that's where you'd have a dunkin donuts uh starbucks the galleria they'd call it yeah exactly the galleria yeah there'd be a a little place to do your nails and um one of those um daycare the shiatsu massage place right um yeah so anyway they're top secret government employees uh, credit union now would uh yeah do you think after this wildfire, I mean, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves in the minute, but do you think after this wildfire, do you think wildfire would still be around in the 21st century? Uh, that's an interesting point. I, I You know, it, it strikes me as one of those things that uh, it could certainly have, it could certainly just evolve over time. I mean, we sort of look back and poke a bit of fun of the technology of the day, but uh, it's hard to say whether this whole facility and this, you know, the team and the, the whole project and the group would survive through the, the 20th, or excuse me, the end of the 21st century. Um, but it certainly feels like they would have laid the groundwork. I mean, they, um, you know, we can poke fun at big CRTs and some other, and you know, big plastic spacesuits and stuff. But um, the technology that was presented or the, the concept that was presented of all of the levels and the, you know, that absolute methodical, you know, that third of the film that spends going, you know, going down level by level with all of the, the procedures and the disinfectant and all those protocols that are in place, you know, that has, uh, especially now here in 2020, I mean, that has a very plausible, realistic feel to it. And you would think that, uh, I would like to think that this project would have, you know, survived and evolved and gotten better and better and better equipped and everything else. I think the one thing I wonder about, though, is, you know, does does this particular bug just, uh, you know, can they really eradicate it, or does it uh, does it just contaminate the whole place, and we just have to destroy the thing and maybe build something else later on? Yeah, or you know, have they gotten better at weaponizing that? That's the other. I, I, oh, I would like to have seen uh, what you know a return to Andromeda and find out what they've been doing in the past fifty years. One thing, and I, it's, I, I'm surprised that I haven't addressed this 
yet. We're, you know, we're almost 90 minutes into the movie. Who runs this place? What is this? I mean, the Air Force seems to talk with them, but right. it doesn't seem like any of these people are Air Force personnel. They're all, I mean, I'm assuming that they're either CIA, not CIA, but NSA or some kind of Department of Defense, but I can't, I can't quite place what agency would be running this. I believe um, it's science that runs this place, yes, Jim. the Department of Science. The Department of Science. <laughs> we, have, we have a cabinet secretary, but they're invisible. Um, right, exactly. <laughs> they're a hologram. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I wonder, you know, and, and that's what I was thinking about with, if this were in modern day, in the 21st century, all these people would be contractors and there wouldn't be a, like there might be an overseeing department, but it's buried in layers of, um, you know, some executive office that you don't, you know, it, it could be Department of Transportation is hidden in, it's hidden right. in a bill somewhere. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's, that's always had me wondering as to where, where these people fit in. I mean, like the War Department, during the Manhattan Project, the War Department controlled it. So I'm assuming this might be some other agency of the Department of Defense. We just don't know the name of that particular department that handles this. Well, that wouldn't be atypical of, of movies of this era, that you just have this, you know, this is clearly, you know, quote unquote, it's the government. And, yeah. you know, don't don't really worry too much about, you know, which group it is, or we don't really have to make it plausible. It's just, okay, these are the, these are the guys with the money and the resources and the secrets. And, you know, they're on, they're on one side of this, uh, this confrontation and, um, like, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example. But, well, I, uh, I was, I was thinking maybe this is the same, maybe the, 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 uh, the secretary that's in charge of this is the same secretary that's in charge of the impossible mission force. That would work. I would, uh, I would buy that. And, uh, okay, and there's then, a crossover, there's a crossover episode in that somewhere. Right. And now this podcast will self-destruct in five yeah. seconds. <laughs> I if mean, it hasn't already, I. <laughs> it's 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 definitely not a private company. I mean, I was thinking like the NBC show Search, where uh, that was a oh, private company with right. uh, you know Hugh O'Brien and all that. Um, but yeah, it's just I don't know where it fits in the universe of other secret government agencies. It's it's like the Forbin Project. It's just this thing that was set up separate from NASA, separate from the Air Force, and I don't know who they report to except for a bunch of senators who are complaining about the budget. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, very peculiar. I don't know. Well, more, more things to ponder about this week. We can, uh, we can chat about that. Absolutely. Um, how, I know, you know, you've, you and I have both done the, uh, the Rocketeer Minute, which has received accolades up and down the, up and down the uh, Internet screens. Um, <laughs> but you are involved in another podcast, and maybe we could talk a little bit more about that that's more involved directly on your career-wise thing. Oh, sure. I'm always happy to, uh, to give that a plug. So, um, I, fr frankly, thanks in no small part to my experience with you and the Rocketeer Minute and, you know, and then a couple of the other things that you and I have done together or other, other shows I've guested on. Um, we got the, uh, got the go ahead of, uh, already a few, a couple of years ago, hard to believe, just like you said with the Rocketeer Minute, uh, at, at work, uh, the Experimental Aircraft Association here in Oshkosh, um, to start an aviation related podcast. Now we, uh, um, you will laugh, of course, Jim, when I point out that we do one episode every two weeks. <laughs> you think, uh, oh, oh, the pace, the pace. Oh, my gosh. Yes. How do you possibly <laughs> keep up with that grueling workload? Um, 
And uh, you've even been in the room when we recorded one. But uh, yes. Anyway, we uh, it's called the green dot, and that's uh, that always takes a little bit of explanation. So here in Oshkosh, uh, every summer, except for 2020, like everything else, every summer we have uh, the largest aviation event in the world. And uh, we get 10,000 airplanes that come in for the week. And to do the, to accommodate all those airplanes, we have to have a whole very different FAA-approved set of procedures in place. And sort of normal separation rules and things are, are waived and readjusted. And so as airplanes are coming in, uh, you might have uh, multiple airplanes lining up for the same runway at the same time. Now, they're going to be staggered. Uh, so you want the airplane in front to land far down the runway. You want the next airplane to land sort of in the middle and then the third airplane to land, you know, right at the close end and then sort of keep repeating that. So to facilitate that, uh, the airport paints giant uh, colored dots on the runways. And so it's kind of a rite of passage as a pilot. Uh, you fly your own airplane. You know, you come to Oshkosh. It's incredibly busy, the busiest airport in the world for one week. And you hear that uh, you hear that over the radio, you know, uh, red and white Cessna, you know, cleared to land on the orange dot or the white dot or the pink dot or the, or the green dot. And for whatever reason, the green one is kind of the iconic one. It's right in the middle of runway 927. And uh, so that's our that's our thing is that with our, our podcast, when you when you sign up and listen, you're you're getting cleared to land on the green dot. And uh, boy, we have uh, we are ridiculously lucky in terms of the types of guests that we get. Um you know, just pilots of all kinds and astronauts and test pilots and military pilots and uh, designers, uh, you know, inventors. Uh, we've had uh, had our share of uh, celebrity guests, uh, just a little bit of uh, a little bit of everything. Our most recent episode just came out as we're recording this. And I know we're airing about a week, a week from now. The most recent Green Dot episode was with a young uh, woman named Ashley Blaine, who's 19 years old and is already a, a like seriously experienced uh, firefighting helicopter pilot. Wow! Uh, so she's been this season out. Uh, she's based in Montana, but she's been all over the Northwest lately. And she's a command pilot on the Black Hawk helicopter, which is remarkable enough. And then she's got her second in command rating on the Chinook, the big twin rotor heavy lift. And so she's out there fighting fires and helping, you know, carry those, uh, those, giant power line things and put those in place and do all kinds of stuff. So that's just an example of our latest episode. But uh, when you were there, uh, out, or out here rather in Oshkosh, uh, that's when we did an episode, wasn't that with, was that with Frank Borman? With Frank Borman, yes. Yeah. Uh, 90 year old, at the time, 90 year old Frank Borman, um, the toughest guy on the block. He's just a, a, a legend of, uh, during when uh, Chris Henry and I were doing Apollo 13, a minute we had him on on our show immediately following the green dot and just you know you're looking at this man who's been on the backside of the moon and he's sitting right across from you it's just astonishing and uh i have to say your show is fantastic but every time i listen to it i feel so incredibly unaccomplished oh, gosh. <laughs> i mean it's it's a it's very it's very uplifting and very uh, inspiring i mean you're glad there's people on this planet who do the kind of things that these people that that you have on that but i mean they've done more by breakfast than you've done in 20 <laughs> years you know you're like oh my gosh uh, but that I, is it, a, a constant pal that hangs over it i mean the show is a privilege and it is we have an absolute blast just as you and I always do on these things, but uh, you're absolutely right. Like talking with, when you're sitting there, you know, talking with uh, an astronaut uh, or or somebody like this this young woman, this helicopter pilot, and you know everything she's done by age 19, and I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I got my socks on without falling over today. 
And that feels like something I'm kind of strutting around, like maybe, you know, maybe I'm going to be interviewed for the local paper about my uh, success. I found the remote in under 10 minutes when I was going to turn the TV on. Exactly. Oh my gosh! Wow, but no, it's a, it's a, it is a fantastic show, and uh, and you're available wherever I guess fine podcasts are given out. So yeah, um, absolutely. Although it is strange, there are two green dot podcasts, and the logos are really similar. But the other one, I there's a green dot bank or something. For some reason, they have a podcast. But we're so we are EAA's the green dot. We're the aviation related one, and yeah, less more. We're the one with the good pilots. reviews. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, wow. other green dot. Yeah, well, they'll 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 figure they'll figure out to, to how to broaden their appeal just to get more uh, more aviators on. Right. Uh, wow. Well, great. Well, listen, uh, we'll pick this thing again up on Wednesday and and chat some more as we watch a baby get fed a bottle, which is you know the height of excitement in this particular <laughs> week. But we'll, 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 there's more there's more excitement and mayhem coming up. Uh, in the meantime, uh, join us here on Wednesday. But uh, in the meantime, please do do the three things that hopefully will get rid of this plague as fast as possible. Uh, stay six feet apart from people when you're near people that you don't live with. Uh, wear a mask and wash your hands. You can you know, try singing happy birthday while you're washing your hands. Since neither of our birthdays are coming up anytime soon, I don't think. But uh, you just sing happy birthday to yourself. That's that's good long enough to wash all the plague off your fingers and may i interject on the way out jim if you have a uh, one of the newest apple watches your watch will tell you if you don't wash your hands long enough just right out of the blue oh wow okay so imagine that technology back in 1971 wow mind-boggling it could probably even tell you what you know sterno's made out (laughs) (laughs) some mysteries are best left unsolved jim yes (laughs) wow we will see you all here next time on the andromeda minute Very flattering. We don't know much more than when we got here.